Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are in the world, a very warm welcome to Leadership Insights with me, Prashant. Aap sabko mera pyar bara namaskar. I would like to start this show by saying thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you for the support, for the love that you've shown season one. Now, I was starting something new. I did not know what am I getting into. I did not know how it worked. But all the guests were extremely supportive and everybody in the audience was also very supportive in giving me feedback and telling me, Prashant, what's working and what's not working. Now, the intention of this whole journey is to actually bring different perspectives, different insights of leadership to the forefront because I firmly believe that leadership is the backbone of an organization. And more than just for an organization, I believe that leadership is a life skill. And that's a message that I'm trying to drive through this show by bringing in some guests who have experience in understanding leadership, in understanding people, and have the maturity to bring forward those perspectives which will make us think, which will make us absorb something and make some changes in our life, in our way of being as people, in our way of being as leaders. So thank you so much to each and every one of you for the love and support. And here we are back with season two. And as promised, we'll have some amazing guests who will come on this show. We have another amazing guest with us today. He's an executive coach with more than 15 years of experience of coaching and developing leaders across different countries. A former professor of communication and ethics at Indian School of Business and a managing partner of Stillwater Consulting, a corporate training firm. Not just that, he's a multiple TEDx speaker and an author of the book, The Game of Life. So let's welcome our first guest for season two, episode one, Kanishka Sinha. Hi, Hi Kanishka. Prashant. Very good morning to you. Hi, Prashant. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Kanishka. So I'm very excited. I, I've taken a break for about six weeks, you know, reassessing, reflecting on, you know, how is my journey going so far? How's the show doing? How's the entire process going on? And then I decided that, you know, the only way to get better, the only way to know more, the only way to understand more is by continue doing it rather than sitting and learning and reflecting. So I decided let's go back and let's do season two and bring in more people who can actually add value to us and help us grow as people and as leaders. So uh, this is season two. This is episode one. So you're opening my season two for me. And thank you so much for that. Uh, it, it means a lot to me. Great. Well, thank you much. The pressure is on. So I'll try and, and try and be value adding, I guess. <laughs> Great. Uh, so Kanishka, to start the conversation, because the, the whole idea of this show, the whole idea of doing these conversations with people yeah. is to bring in different perspectives and insights about leadership. And yeah. I try to bring those people who have a voice in saying their opinion of what they think of leadership and who have been associated with the domain of leadership so that they understand what goes out there, right? Um, there are a lot of people who I speak to who want to add value and who want to speak about leadership, but it needs to be backed with a certain amount of experience of you being a leader, and it needs to be backed with a certain amount of experience of having worked with leaders. That's where the perspective becomes very holistic in nature. So yeah. my first question to begin this conversation, uh, Kanishka, today for you is, for you, for Kanishka Sinha, when I say leadership, what does it mean to you? And in the way we define it in our programs, we're saying leadership is showing up in a way that inspires trust and credibility. So what we mean by that is a leader is not necessarily hierarchical or positional. So um, when I say, hey, you please do this, the person doesn't do this because I'm the boss. And if they don't do what I say, I'm going to sack them. So leadership is about whether you're the boss or not their boss, whether younger or older, 
when you speak, there's something about your actions, your belief systems, your integrity, the way you make decisions, etc., that has people resonate and respect and get where you're coming from and want to move in that direction. So, and by their own choice, there's no compulsion. So an example of that would be, say, when Gandhi starts working towards Gandhi, I'm not going to lose my job if I don't follow him. In fact, I'm more likely to lose my job if I do follow him. But there's something about what he's saying, what he's doing, his willingness to go jail for what he believes that has to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go in that direction, take on the hardship. Maybe I'll get thrown in jail. Maybe I'll get lucky charged because I believe in that. So we don't see leadership as positional, you know, the CEO, etc. You know, you could be a leadership in all areas if you like. So when your, um, you know, uncle asks you, you know, you know, Prashant, what, what should I be investing in just now? There's something about even in the family, I'm about to start this business, Prashant, what does he think? That people just believe there's something about you that inspires credibility and trust. And so when you're communicating or behaving in a way that inspires that in people around you, that's what we refer to as, that's how we define leadership in our programs. Wow, in interesting. So one word, uh, Kanishka, that kept coming in your conversation is trust. And then you also right. spoke about credibility, right? So what I understand from what you're saying is, irrespective of the position that you hold professionally or personally, yeah. who you are as a person and what do you bring to the table in terms of the way of your being? It could be yeah. the energy that you provide to the environment. It could be the knowledge that you carry. It could be the experience yeah. that you carry. It could be the actions that you do on a daily basis. It could be yeah. your way of conducting yourself. Anything that you do or do not do, which you may or may not be aware of, everybody, yeah. each and every one of us is a leader. Yeah. And if people reach out to you for certain things, if people get influenced by you, inspired by you, or they feel that you're opinion holds value in a certain domain in a certain aspect then you yeah. have established yourself or you're on a path of establishing yourself as a leader in that domain would that be right to say yeah and so you know you could be a leader as a mother in the way we're defining it because you know when you say you know go brush your teeth go to sleep you know study at this time instead of the child going oh but you know why this why that they're like it's mommy so you know she knows because the way she's communicating or yeah. the way daddy is communicating so, you know, you can be a leadership in any area as a cousin, as a friend, as a, as a, as a mother, as a, as a management trainee, as a CEO, but that's how we look at leadership. So we could do a leadership program really for a management trainee about how do you make sure that when you give your ideas, people don't say, oh, he's just a management trainee or she's just a management mm. trainee. But, oh, you know what? It's, it's Arun speaking. Let me just hear. He's always got good ideas. There's something about the way you're communicating that has people want to listen. Mm. True. Uh, you know, uh, again, brings an interesting thought to my mind. Uh, you spoke about a mother, right? And a child. Now, a child looks up to his or her parents as a default leader, which means initially they look up to you as a leader because they do not have a choice, right? Yeah. They look up to you because you are taking care of them. So there is a certain amount of look up that they have for you saying that this person is taking care of me. This person is providing me at this stage where I can't provide for myself. So I'm listening yeah. to this person, right? Now, if I draw a parallel to that and look at organizational leadership, if I join an organization for the very first time and I'm told that okay, Prashant Kanishka is your leader. So my default mode that I will get into is saying that, all right, Kanishka is my leader. So he's somebody who will take care of me. He's somebody who I have to report to. He's somebody who will tell me what to do. He's somebody who will support me. So by default, there are expectations that get set in me for my leader. Right sure. now with time, say a month, 15 days, 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, 
I start questioning that default mode, which means are my expectations being met? Now, yeah. as a child, even when I grow up, I'm three, five, seven, eight, and I understand more about the world. My expectations yeah. and my judgment starts coming in saying that, you know, is this person doing what he is saying? Is he following the principles that he wants me to follow? Is he doing those actions and displaying those behaviors that he or she wants me to follow, right? As a father, as a mother, or as a leader, that starts happening. And that is where, as you said, trust comes in. So if I have to build trust with my people as a leader, I have to stand for what I tell you to stand for. I have to do what I ask you to do, right? Now, this seems to be becoming a very big challenge. Now, with, with leaders, when I speak to leaders, one term that comes up a lot is that, you know, we need to build trust with our teams. And trust comes in two, two parallel discussions. One is that I need to build trust with my team, which means leader to people. And second challenge that leaders face is I need to build trust within the team, which means people with people. Right mm -hmm. now, if you look at this aspect, Kanishka, of these two aspects of trust, which are very important, how do you think a leader can work on it? How do you think a leader can build that trust with his team and within his team? You know, with the team, um, we, we say that there are like you know, five parameters, right? So, one is clarity when you're communicating, does it look like you know what you're doing, um, or do you seem confused or you know, inconsistent, etc.? The other one is honesty. When you speak, do people feel like the person is actually saying what they think, what they actually believe, or do they feel there's a mask, etc.? The other one is ownership. So does the person say, hey, this is what we need to do, or it's like they did this, they did this, we can't do this, etc.? The next one is win-win. Um, when the leader communicates with me, are they also thinking of me as a person? Are they considering my opinions, etc.? Or are they dominating me in some way? So it becomes a win-lose or a lose-win, etc. So uh, how empathetic and considerate and you know, sort of they are in those conversations. And the final one is commitment. You know, are they doing the things that they said they would do, or is something else holding them back? So those are the things that we we apply those five principles again, the, the models that we are using in our programs people begin to trust us much more, right? Mm. In terms of building the trust within the team, um, I think the best way to do it is to make decisions consistently that fit your um, value system, right? And what I mean by that is if, let's say two people on my team come and they're arguing about something, um, you know, I'm gonna say, hey, listen, I've heard your point of view. I'm gonna make a decision for the, you know, based on what Amiri is telling me, for example, because I agree with that point of view. And then the other person might say, oh, but you've listened to Amiri five times, five times she's given the thought and every single time you take her side. And mm -hmm. some leaders, what they start doing is like, I need to be fair, right? So they say, okay, you're not, yes, okay, fine. Why don't you do this this time, right? And so what gets taught effectively or what the team learns is that if I complain enough, there is more chance of me getting what I want, right? And so then immediately, no, but this is not fair, you know, like, why should we do this, etc. And then when the leader starts trying to play peacemaker, and it doesn't just happen in the professional space, it happens, you know, in a lot of uh, Indian married homes between the wife and the mother, etc. of the guy, and they're like, okay, my, my mother wants to go to this place, my wife wants to go to that place. And, you know, when I, when I ask them the question, you know, like, what they don't say is where they want to go. My mother wants to go to, you know, Nenital. My wife wants to go to Malaysia. Now what do I do? I'm like, but where do you want to go? So when he's like, how do I kind of like make a decision to please both parties? Then what they start doing is they both start getting more and more upset because they know the more upset they get, 
the more chance. But if they say, okay, you know, he's going to make a decision based on what he wants, then they stop trying to manipulate you through getting upset. They say, okay, mm -hmm. no, two votes for this place, one vote for this. So similarly in the business space, when the leader says, this is why I'm going to make this decision, and let me explain the rationale, how I'm thinking through it, then over a period of time, the team gets clear that that is the basis for decision-making. He or she is going to make a decision based on these parameters that they believe is the philosophy for running business, and people mm -hmm. fall in line. But when the leader says, I'm going to fix this, either they'll say, okay, you know what, guys, you should be able to fix this yourselves. Go figure it out. And then they mm -hmm. won't move. Or he'll like, okay, you tell me your point of view, you tell me your point of view. And then they become effectively kind of like a judge and they're both trying to influence me and they're both trying to get upset because they know that the more upset they get, the more I'm likely to do it. Um, or they say, hey, Kanish, can you come in and do a team building session, etc." And it won't work. Really, you've got to make decisions consistent with what you think the best business decision is. So like if, if my kids come to me and one person says, oh, you know what, I want iPad, oh, I want iPad. And I'm like, okay, you know, he's upset, so give it to him. Then the other guy will be like, oh, I'm upset. That won't work. Also, if I say, listen, you guys should be able to sort this out, you go, they're not going to sort it out. They're kids, right? But if I say, listen, you have um, not done your homework, so you can do the homework. You haven't done your homework, so you can't watch the iPad, etc. Then they know that is the basis for it. So it becomes mm. clear. If I'm inconsistent, one day it's like whether you've done your homework, one day it's like you're older, you should give it to younger. One day, no, Dada's been like doing this. And people are not quite clear what that decision-making heuristic is that I'm employing. Then again, you get confusion and think. But if you make decisions mm. based on what you think is best for the business and you're consistent in that because you're clear what the priorities are, mm. then eventually the team understands that that's how decisions are made and they fall in line. And I think the, you know, the, the disputes within the team disappear. But don't be the peacemaker because you're setting yourself up to be the football between people who now have an incentive to get more and more emotional because they've learned that mm. that works in that's, that's, that's a very powerful thought to reflect on Kanishka that you mentioned. And the word that again came up, you know, repeated times is consistency. And right. second thing that was the underline of the entire conversation that we had about this is that people need to know the basis of a decision, be it in your personal life or professional life. They need to know why is he choosing what he is choosing. And right. there needs to be consistency to that, which means there needs to be a pattern that gets built around it. And the way I see it, Kanishka, is that if I'm a team member and if I'm reporting yeah. to you and if I reach out to you once, if I reach out to you twice, I reach out to you thrice and I see that the decisions that are made around and I'm observing you, I'm judging you just as a human, I'm doing that, right? It's not that yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that today I'm going to judge him. I'm observing you. Or what is the pattern that Kanishka is building as a leader around me? And if I see that every time I reach out to Kanishka, he as a leader tries to first understand my perspective. Then he yeah. explains the whole idea behind that decision. Why are we doing what we are doing? What is the need of the business for this? And then he decides to go with what I'm saying or not go with it. What it does is it empowers me, which means tomorrow when I get a thought of I should reach out to Kanishka and say this or ask for this before even reaching out to you, I will go through that entire process with myself saying that, all right, if I go to Kanishka, am I aware of the basis of the decision that he is going to take? Why are we doing what are we doing? What is the business impact of it? How is it going to help me? What is going to be the impact on the team? And then I will reach out to you and make your decision making easy as a leader saying that Kanishka, this is what I'm suggesting should be done. And yeah. this is why I'm saying what I'm saying. And this is what I've already thought through. So that yeah. way as a leader, you're also empowering me, right? Because 
tomorrow I am going to be a leader. So you're actually building me up as a leader so that tomorrow when I have people reporting out to me, I will be this kind of a leader. Is, yeah. is that right? Does that make sense? In most cases, yes. Um, it, it's contextual. So there are some situations where you don't have the time to explain and nor is it expected that you will explain. So, you know, like say in the army, right? The commander is not going to say, hey, listen, let me explain, guys, so you're all on board why we're doing what we're doing. You know, like the whole mm -hmm. core philosophy is, you know, do uh, just just do what you're told, right? So don't question the chain of command. If you're going up Tiger Hill or something like that or fighting in Siachen, and the commander says, you go over here, you go over there, he has to make that split decision. And mm -hmm. everybody has to do it. Nobody can say, listen, I didn't understand why. I don't believe in this. I'm doing it just for the thing. Because if you do that, somebody is going to die, right? So if there's some places where you just follow the commands and you do not question them, that is, that is basically, if you're in the army, that's what it is. In fact, you will be court-martialed if you kind of question or push back too much. There isn't time Now, in the corporate world, it's not a do-or-die situation, but sometimes very successful leaders will say, this is a turnaround system, right? People are going to have some resistance to the changes, that's fine. Some people are not going to survive this transition. They're going to be upset. They're going to leave. They're going to have a slight attrition. If we try to get everybody on board, right, and mm -hmm. some of the changes are like, you know, push against people's existing comfort zone or their existing agenda or make things harder for them to achieve their targets. If we try to get everybody consensus, what's going to happen is too much time is going to have uh, passed and we're going to fail. We need to turn this around quickly. You know, we're making losses. If we don't turn this around, the company is going bankrupt, etc. We need to sell this division. We need to change this process. And so in mm -hmm. certain decisions, you know, in certain uh, situations, when you really need somebody to make very quick decisions, there is going to be turbulence and they will say, I'm okay being unpopular. Eventually, some people are going to quit. Some people are not going to like it. Some people are going to say it's not democratic, but that's what's required just now. Now, if you do that on every single occasion and every single you know, context, over a period of time, it won't work because we are not in an army situation mm -hmm. anymore. Well, we want to be listened to, etc. But you can go too far in trying to get consensus. And again, mm. similar to that example that I gave you, that if you're trying to be the peacemaker, then people mm. almost have an incentive to be difficult. Saying, no, I don't agree. I don't think so. Okay, but what if we do this? Yeah, but I'm still not happy. Okay, but if we do this and this, then would we be happy? No, I'm still not happy. Because they mm. know that if I'm unhappy, you're going to try and make me unhappy. So I actually have more of incentive to be unhappy because I'm more likely to get what I want in that. So mm. uh, that is the downside. And I've seen a lot of very, very, you know, good and effective leaders be okay with some people not knowing. And, so, and you can't do that as a, as a general philosophy, but mm. it's, there's a, there are some, you know, things that sound nice. Leader takes in buy-in, leader, you know, involves everybody, etc. But actually in practice, that doesn't always happen. And mm. it doesn't always happen Sometimes it's not appropriate, it's not contextual, and it may sound like um, politically incorrect to say, hey, you know, if people don't like it, that's fine, just make a decision. Some people are going to leave, and that's okay. But that mm. practically is happening, and it is effective in some cases. So you want to see which context are we operating in this situation. Mm. True, Kanishka. I'm sure context is definitely important where we are operating from. And the thought that's running in my mind is that, yes, there would be situations where we will have to take decisions where we don't have time or need to explain why we are doing what we are doing because it's time critical or it is on need to know basis. So sometimes you don't even need to know why we are doing what we are doing because we can't yeah. reveal it to you. Right now, again, coming back to the element of trust that we started the conversation with that 
if I trust my leader, which means if I have worked with Kanishka for a while and I understand yeah. Kanishka as a leader, I trust Kanishka as a leader. I have dealt in various situations in various contexts with Kanishka and I have built that relationship with Kanishka where I know what he stands for. And tomorrow, if Kanishka tells me, Prashant, go and do this, does not explain why, does not say anything, but has built that trust where I will just get up and leave and I'm not even waiting for you to say why. Or I, yeah. I, I trust you, so I go and do it. You tell me yeah. that go and stand on the border and you have to stay there overnight and shoot whoever comes that way. I don't ask you why. What is the reason? I just go and I start shooting. Now, that is probably a result of the trust that you have already built with me. The credibility yeah. that you already set up with me is why I don't question you because I know what you stand for. And I understand where you're coming from. So do you think for leaders who are listening to us right now, who have not yet built that kind of relationship with their people, because I don't want people to misunderstand the context that we are trying to set. It does yeah. not mean that you just go and tell them what to do and do not explain why. Telling yeah. yourself that I don't need to, they need to understand it's okay. Some people will just leave. Some people will not understand. I'm not a peacemaker. If I understand it right, what you're trying to say is, as a leader, be a good judge of the context of the situation and build enough relationship, build enough trust, have enough communication with your team so that they look up to you in a way where they don't question the why anymore because they will understand that this might be the need of the hour is why we don't know what we are doing. But he's told us, so let's do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, eventually that's a place you want to get to. Uh, but... You know, the, the two things that are there. So there's one which is the context, but there's also your preferred style. So, you know, like um, you could play on a clay court and you could play on a grass court. And these are two different contexts. Roger Federer will play slightly differently on clay than he might on grass, but his fundamental mm. style is not going to change. Similarly, Rafael Nadal may alter his game, which is very suited for clay, slightly mm. so that he can win in Wimbledon, but he won't completely change. So, the yeah. other is, what is the style you're more comfortable with? Some people are like, I really want consensus. I really want to build that relationship. Mm. Once that is done, then we will accelerate, get the alignment first, and then accelerate. Other people, they're like, hey, we'll make quick decisions. We'll move fast. Some people are not going to like it. Some people are going to be okay with it. But as we start demonstrating results, right, and we make quick moves on this, then people will start seeing the results and buy on. So I'm okay with friction initially. And it's not like one is right and one is wrong. So like, you know, mm -hmm. is it right to be a partner or a servant volleyer? You've, you've got to look at the context. You've got to look at your own style. And mm -hmm. it's got to be a little bit of a mix on both. So you can't be like, oh, I'm, you know, this is a slow situation. So I'm going to be a complete people person. If mm -hmm. what naturally works for me is being decisive and I've got mm -hmm. a certain rhythm in it and I've learned how to use those strengths. Similarly, you know, even when it's a fast turnaround situation, somebody who's collaborative will need to change their style slightly but they're unlikely to completely change their personality. So it's mm. both the style of the person, what works for them, plus the context that in both of those are determinants. All right. So what you're saying is as a leader, if I get awareness of what my default style is, that's probably formed yeah. over the years of me in my life, and yeah. then understand the pros and cons of that. Once I, sure. once I understand that, you know, I'm somebody who's decisive. I don't care about what is the impact on people. As long as the right. results are being met, I'm okay because the business is moving forward. The customers are happy. The stakeholders are happy. Now, once yeah. I get aware that this is my style and then yeah. somebody brings forward an awareness saying that, okay, the impact that you are probably ignoring or you think yeah. is not very important. Let's just try to understand that impact. And once you yeah. understand that impact, 
would you want to be a little flexible in understanding okay what else can i do which yeah. can still fit in the same context and i can also take more people along or i can probably just have more open communication with people to tell them yeah. that this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing this we will have to do this there is no option so at least people sure. will know why i am doing what i'm doing is, yeah. is that something that will help a leader i know you need to tweak your style for different contexts so you know give an example i was at hindustan levers as a sales manager like as a starting sales manager a lot of the people who are reporting to me are in the smaller towns a little bit more hierarchical you know they're speaking in hindi etc so i can be very directive and it will work they're used to you know the sales manager they could have you have to do this number you have to do this number i don't want to hear this don't tell me you can't do that they're used to that stuff now suddenly i get promoted and they say i'm an, a real regional sales manager now all the people reporting to me are asns who have graduated for iams right now if i say do this do that do that because they're curious because they're intellectual because they studied engineering because they ask questions it won't be as easy for them to just like mm. my style i need to give more explanation i need to say it i need to answer more questions now again i get promoted i become a marketing manager and the people who are reporting to me are brand managers more creative people they they artists they want to express themselves now i need to be even more collaborative i need to listen even more so in each of these roles i'll need to kind of get out of my comfort zone and expand the range of what i can do but it can also work in the opposite way so like before mm-hmm. i went to aql i was a chartered accountant at arthur anderson and over there because i'm young and i'm going to the account you know the the finance team and i'm asking them very politely to give me the data and they're my clients they're my customers etc i develop a very respectful uh polite way professional way of asking uh, it's very soft it's very gentle it's very collaborative you know so i can get what i want and very rarely i'll need to really put my foot down and say no we're not going to you know uh, you know give you this um right off that you want to write etc we're not going to give this is the right number and we're going to have to stick to that that's a rare situation so i don't have to be firm at least as a starting charter gun when i'm a junior guy i'm much more being a nice guy suddenly mm. i move to the sales guy and i find if i listen to them everybody says boss i can't do my target this target is too high and if i'm trying to please everybody okay i'll reduce your target by 10% because i understand there's monsoon floods over there okay i'll reduce your targets but i understand your your distributors got you know family issue that they're not working full time okay i'll reduce suddenly i have a target that i've given to my team that's 8 crores and my boss is giving me 12 crores mm. now we're right so now i need to be like hey listen i know you your you got monsoon you need to figure out a way and it sounds mm. unreasonable i know there's a monsoon and it feels like i'm being like a jerk but if i don't do this way i'm just going to be having like a five day debate and no targets get decided so it can go mm. both ways depending on you know where you're going from what you what you're used to as well so it's not mm. always be listening more sometimes mm. in certain situations i need to listen less than what i used to before to be effective in this place wonderful so you know we started with understanding that trust and credibility are very important criteria when it comes to leadership in any area of life then we moved on to understand that it's very important for people to understand the reasons for the decisions that you're taking and you need to be consistent in the way that you function as a leader otherwise people will not trust you they won't hold you credible and they will not know how to deal with you as a leader they'll always feel insecure they will never feel confident in doing what they want to do and then we moved on to context that there is no specific way of leading throughout your life based yeah. on the organization that you are in based on the kind of people that you are dealing with based on the situation that you are in at that point of time of what is required you need to be yeah. flexible to understand what your default style is and also need to understand what do i need to adapt to at this particular time 
if you're somebody yeah. who's very aggressive if you're somebody who's very decisive if you're somebody who is not somebody who takes people along but if the situation demands that you need to push yourself and you need to become that kind of a leader and if you yeah. have people who you have reporting from small towns they expect a different kind of leader because their expectations are different their entire background of living and upbringing is different if you are people from iims iics if you are people who have actually done double mbas triple mbas from b schools their expectation from you as a leader is very different and similarly your expectation from them as a leader should also be very different because they are all not on the same page so you can't even expect them to be at the same page right so it's adaptability of leadership from both sides now you mentioned five points which you know you you mentioned that you also take care of them and you actually bring them forward in your trainings as well uh, which we just went through but i would like to you know go into each one of them in detail and understand what it means so yeah. i think first one was clarity so can we understand these five principles of leadership one by one so that our audience yeah, I mean, one one thing we could do prashant is just apply it to your life if you want to like get in i'll just ask you the questions and you can answer it so we can kind of highlight that but let's do that really easy so you got to like you're good i hope you got some rum in that uh, that mug i i'm drinking some water <laughs> okay. okay well all right let's do it let me let me kind of like um, illustrate the well, let's just talk to the principles and then we'll actually apply it to your situations clarity is knowing what you want you know why you want to do it why it's important what are the prices when you're going to do it honesty is what's happening you know what am i feeling about the situation what are other people saying uh, what are the results saying so where are we right ownership is what are the choices right so rather than um you know this is out of my control i can't do this okay what are the choices what are the pros and cons win win is okay who are my stakeholders what are their objectives and concerns and how do i kind of like make sure that i find something that works for them as well as me otherwise you know i'm just going to be pushing against a wall and commitment is what could get in the way what could stop me from doing this let me identify what that is and then and you know commit to getting over those internal barriers as well so uh, that's the overview let me start by asking you then from a clarity point of view prashant what do you want and you can answer that question any way you'd like what do i want um a lot of things that i want but one thing that i want uh, with respect to my work in terms of my profession is i want to build a training and coaching organization which yeah. is strongly built on values of commitment compassion yeah. congruence and celebration okay and i i do not want an organization which is very high scale i want yeah. an organization which is a medium scale organization which has about 20 employees working for it and not more than that because i want a balance in my life i don't yeah. want my work to take over my life i yeah. want my work to be a part of my life but i want to love doing what i am doing and that is yeah. training and that is coaching that's connecting with people and helping people so right. uh, if i if i sum up what i'm saying is that by 2025 january i want to set up a leadership training and coaching firm which is a mid cap leadership training and coaching firm which serves at least 600 leaders every year through the leadership programs and coaching and in 25 years of uh, so in my mind i want to do this for 25 years so right now i'm 38 so 
for the next 25 years i should have touched at least 15000 leaders through my coaching and training i don't have an over ambitious vision i want to touch at least 15000 leaders and i believe it multiplies each leader at least touches 100 people in their lives personally or professionally so i would have impacted 1.5 million people in my lifetime this is and what so what are, what are you waiting for nothing i i am in the process i have already started i i quit my job 2 years back i started uh, creating my leadership programs i started coaching i already have 11 clients who i am working with on business leadership coaching training is something that's on hold i am working on my conscious leadership program that i plan to launch on april 1st it's in process and uh, so there is nothing that i am waiting for right now did i wait a lot in the first year yes but right now i think uh, everything is in progress the actions are in place and when you say work life balance you know what does that mean so what time would you stop working or would you work on the weekend or not so give me a, a uh, you know the, the, this is when i will work this is when i won't work that or whatever your definition is of work life so that is granular sure so my definition of work life balance is i want to work 100 hours in a month which means if i if i conduct one training program every week which means two days of training program is what i am planning so i'll have four training programs which means that takes away 16 into 4 which is 64 hours of my 100 hours for that month which means i'm left with 36 hours those 36 hours if i take away 12 hours for my creative planning for analyzing things i'm left with 24 hours in those 24 hours i want to spend that on coaching so i want to train for 64 hours i want to coach for 24 hours and i want to plan spend time with my team be more creative for 12 hours this is how i want my 100 hours to be spent and in terms of the time allocated for selling or build, building business how would you uh, how have you thought about that so that would happen through my team which means when i build a team right now i have two people who are working for me for design and marketing and as i right. grow my team and actually expand my team i would want to be less involved in execution of it i would want to be more involved in strategic planning of how do we move forward and what do we do next which would right. take probably 2 hours of me every week to have the strategic discussion plan out the actions for the week and move forward Fantastic. And what are the strengths that you think will help you get these outcomes? The natural strengths that you have. I think uh, very honest intention of serving and helping people that I have not worked on. That is probably in me from from a very very long time since I remember. It's probably something that I have. I like connecting with people. Number two, yeah. my experience of having gone through the journey of being a frontline executive. to a first time leader to a middle level manager helps me understand the journey that a leader goes through number 3 having trained and coached for last 8 to 9 years i understand the domain of training and coaching i understand what goes into it having coached businesses for the last 3 years i have a fair amount of understanding how a business functions and rather than just an employee how a business functions and what needs to be set up for a business to actually grow and scale to a level and last but not the least my ability to connect with people my ability to understand people my ability to collaborate and my i would say more than ability my my intention and openness of wanting to collaborate with people and being very open with the saying that you know let's explore and see what happens i think right. those, these are the strengths i have realized with time fantastic so let's go to the next level which is honesty which is really you know what's working what's not working so which area do you feel like you're not being effective in on the on the journey to this these goals trusting myself more and uh, you know increasing the pace of the process what i have done in the last 3 years 
I mm-hmm. I could have definitely I realized that now I have picked up speed in the in say 2021, but I could mm-hmm. have picked it up in 2020. So I right. think you know uh, the, uh, trusting myself more and trusting and having faith in the universe more, just putting actions out there and see yeah. what happens. I think that that's what I'm working on. And so, um, what is the belief that is holding you back then? What is the belief that's holding me back? Or that has held you back, yeah. I would say what was holding me back a lot, uh, which has diminished, but still does uh, hold in there. You know, it's not gone completely. Is comes back to trusting myself more in terms of my knowledge and my experience and my ability to do what I do. Now uh, there are a lot of times when I look back at what have I done, so I have to remind myself, Prashant, why are you doing what you're doing? And you know, I think there are too many times where I need to remind myself of that. I don't think I need those reminders so many times. No, yeah. I, I should not fall into the trap too often. That frequency needs to reduce. Has it improved? Yes, but mm-hmm. still it needs to improve. I'm not happy with the frequency of that doubt seeking in again and again. So I think that so can you give an example of a decision that you you know did not do or took longer to do because you weren't trusting yourself at the time. So I could get a, a clear idea of how that looks. How it actually I I out. avoided uh, two things. One, I did not I did not put myself out there completely when I had an opportunity to coach a CEO where I would have gone for a one-on-one meeting and actually coached a CEO of a two thousand dollar two thousand. crore organization in bangalore uh, i i knew that i self sabotaged which means i created barriers and for not happening where i felt that you know it's i'm doing everything that i can do or i should be doing but it's on them but reality is it's not on them which means if i had communicated more if i had been more prompt in my conversation with them if i had pushed a little more asking for that meeting pushing for it it would have probably happened but i was like you know 2000 crore organization i worked with people till 100 crores i understand how small and medium businesses work i do not understand how a 2000 crore organization works i don't think i'm ready for that and second thing i have seen a journey of being a leader at a front line and middle level so i understand what happens till middle level i don't understand yeah. how what happens beyond that so i don't think i have earned the right to sit with the ceo of 2000 crore organization and have a conversation yeah. so That's okay. why so this I has not earned the crow because I don't know enough about this specific situation. That's the belief. Yeah. So what would be an alternative belief that would have allowed you to go and have that conversation and you know put yourself in a position where you could have have this coaching relationship? The truth of coaching that I don't need to understand that I'm not going as a mentor. I'm yeah. I'm going as a coach. I don't need to know what they're doing. i need to help them explore what they are doing and what they can do better and that's what coaching is right right and that that belief is something that i have to constantly remind myself that you don't need to know you know enough and that is enough for you to do what you want to do you have need to help right. them to explore so i think right. uh, that's a belief that i need to instill uh, more strongly and this is something that right. needs more work okay I mean, uh, just to kind of give you an example of that, that that might might help. So this, you know, the example I give when people are facing with this, I don't know enough to be able to do this, is uh, the example of Obama, any president, that when he's working with, say, the military staff, talking about should we go into Iraq or not go into Iraq, etc. Each of these guys knows more than him about military strategy. You know, these purple heart generals, etc. Then he goes into the next room, 
and it's like the economic advisors and one you know harvard macroeconomics nobel prize winner is saying we should re reduce interest rates the other one is saying we should increase it how does he make a de decision you know then he goes in for the next one which is on health policy again all experts education so in every single room for eight years he is the person who knows the least amount about any of the subjects that have been discussed he's always the person who knows leads right but if the macroeconomist said to him oh, i'm sorry it's really hard to explain this to somebody who doesn't have a double phd in macroeconomics you know obama would probably just say hey listen so explain it to me simply otherwise i'm gonna have to sack you and get somebody else he will not be doubting himself saying oh, i don't have the knowledge he's like you know I'm going to ask questions, they'll explain it, and we'll have a conversation until we get to clarity, and then we'll make decisions. So similarly, as a coach, if I think, or as a, as a consultant, if I think I need to have that knowledge, they wouldn't be asking a consultant to come in, because by definition, the person is outside the industry. They have more knowledge about the industry, right? So that, that is a, you know, an example that I give to somebody. Okay, you, don't, you don't need to know at an intellectual level, you understand that, but you're not experience at a level. These people are really operating in jobs. The CEO for a company does not know as much about technology as the R&D head, doesn't know as much as the HR, about HR as the HR head, doesn't know necessarily about you know, finance as much as the finance head, and yet they need to make decisions. How do that exactly, like you said, ask questions, understand it broadly and then make decisions because I'm the person responsible over here. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a question. And this is really probably the toughest question I'm going to ask you. And, and really, I think you'd probably create the most value over here, but you'll need to jump. If you completely trusted yourself, what would you do in this coming year that you wouldn't otherwise have done? If you completely trusted yourself, what would you do? You I said, would... Uh, uh, I would put in put out my training programs for uh, frontline employees, for middle-level managers and first-time managers uh, out there, I would reach out to everybody in the HR L&D domain at CXOs, whoever I know, uh, yeah. through an email, through contacts, whatever contacts I have, and tell them this is what I do, this is who I am, and this is what I intend to bring forward. Uh, yeah. Give me an opportunity to show how I can help you. This is what I would do. Okay. Um, and if you trusted yourself even more than that, what would you do? Because I'll tell you what, the two things that I'm, I'm hearing also is like, I'll contact the people that I know, right? As opposed to, you know, everybody who's in a, in a position mm -hmm. where I could add value. I hear you mm -hmm. saying, give me an opportunity, almost like you're asking something, but if you had more confidence, would you be saying something different from, hey, please give me a chance? You know, would, would somebody who really has confidence say, hey, please give me a chance, or would they be saying something else? So again, let me, almost to the level of arrogance. So if you were arrogant, right, insufferably arrogant, what you be? What would you be doing this year? Let me, I'm talking about like, let's say, um, you know, Tony, Tony Robbins or something, somebody who's like, comes across as supremely, you know, self-confident. What would you do on top of what you already uh, declared for yourself just now? Rather than rather than requesting for an opportunity, I would put forward the problems that they might be facing. And you know, if you are an organization who's serious about the growth of their organization, serious about the growth of your people, serious about the growth of your leadership, and you're looking for a credible source of person who has the experience, the knowledge, the expertise, the intention to serve and help, then I'm that yeah. person. 
this is who i am this is what i do if you really want to bring in a change if you really want to make a difference reach out to me and i can add value yeah uh, if i would again push that i would say instead of if you are the people who are looking for this then reach out for me it's like more like hey listen let me explain to you um what we can do for you let me explain why you need this so rather than again you know if you need it which becomes like you know maybe you do maybe you don't and reach out to me it's like let me explain to you why this is these are the problems that i see and this is what i think i can do to help you this is where we've done it so that's a different way of communicating i think that hey please give me a chance now again mm-hmm. some people might say who is this guy mm-hmm. uh, what does he mean the company is doing this this yeah what was that so i'm not saying that this is what you do when i present it as this is what i think would make you uncomfortable and it'll be more when you go into that space of uncomfort that you'll be out of let me contact the people that i already know and ask them to give me a chance which is yeah you know proactive but it's not like hey you know what uh, tony robbins kind of like uh, confident right? there's, a, there's a different vibe you can come in with perhaps because you know i genuinely want to help and i have some experience this is what i believe so i mean i'm just presenting a point of view now what would be the belief that would allow you to do something like this what would be the new belief so just now it's like i need to know enough about the business or i need to effectively earn my right to have this conversation what would be a different belief that i i am enough i know enough to add value that i intend to add right okay great now as you kind of listen to yourself in the last say 10 minutes or so right the last 15 minutes what have you noticed about the way you've been communicating that i'm that i'm thinking honestly about what you're saying i'm i'm trying to not hold myself back and before that thought comes which tells me what is the right thing to say i'm saying what's coming to my mind so i'm trying to right. be as honest and open as i can because this right. is helping me and i know it will help me so i'm making the most of this opportunity and i'm also happy and pleased with myself in a way that i'm glad that i am already pushing myself to the direction that we are discovering or that is opening up in this conversation so there is a sense yeah. of relief as well that prashant you are probably playing at level 3 and this conversation is helping you to play at a level 7 and 8 which is great but yeah. it's good that you are already at level 3 it would have been a very different conversation if i was not even at a level 3 so i'm i'm yeah. also pleased in a way that thankfully you are already taking few steps outside your comfort zone so that's what's running right. in my mind fantastic can, can i share some feedback prashant yes please If I was to share my experience with you listening to you just now, I feel like you know my experience is really nice guy, really authentic, very genuine about the way he communicates, honest, uh, humble, um, you know, confident and proactive about his business, clear why he's doing it, clear his link to the passion. But what I get is also a lifelong learner, and that's a good thing. But it's mm-hmm. also kind of at at odds with expert. So. I'd love to hear Kanish you know your thoughts I'm inviting all these guests and learning 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 when you go present yourself it's not like give me a chance I think I can do this etc it's more like hey this is I'd like to share I'd like to hear your thoughts and have a discussion rather than I want to learn from every single person 
I want to have a conversation. So I feel like there's a slight shift from presentation mm. point where you can go from being a learner and a very authentic mm. learner and a, a genuinely guy who wants to contribute to an expert in your field. And I think that shift will help you unlock some of this, mm. you know, senior level conversation. So that's that's my mm. experience listening to you, what I really like and what I think might be the next level, which that's for you might feel like I'm being arrogant. Because unless I learned it. it yeah, yeah. No, you might feel that when you're communicating in that way, mm, the fear yeah. might be that I'm coming across as arrogant if I'm mm. not a learner. But can I find both that paradox of being a learner, but yes, coming across as I know enough and let me explain what I know or here's my mm. point of view, which mm. will seem like am I being humble enough? So that's the area of discomfort that might be there as you have to go to the next level. So that's a some perspective, a, a, a perspective to just like present before you. What is the strength that you are committed to consciously developing over the coming year then? I think what, what you just mentioned hits that spot. The strength that I would like to develop would be to find that fine balance between being a conscious learner while also putting forward the expertise that I have saying I am enough to add this value while I am parallelly also working on getting better every single day. So I think right. uh, rather than getting stuck in only in that learning mode, which helps, but I understand where you're coming from. Now, when I reflect, it's a never ending journey. So right. then I will never be enough, you know, and I will always be seeking more and more and more. And I am sure I am enough for a lot of things to happen and for a lot of things for me to do and for a lot of value that I can already bring forward with who I am yeah. today while I work yeah. on being better every single day. So I think right. that's that's what I will consciously work on. And yeah. again, coming back to the same thing that I said earlier that I'm a little pleased that I'm already almost at 70% of my training program being ready. And I yeah. intend to put it out in another 45 days. Uh, I'm glad that I'm already on that journey. So, yeah. uh, and, and and I don't think I, I had a statement or I had that, you know, a very specific awareness of what shift am I going through? I think yeah. the shift that I'm going through is putting myself out there as an expert parallelly as that learning journey continues. But yeah. I need to be more conscious of it because it's a new journey that I'm getting into. Uh, yeah. I do not know how it works and how it will open up. Uh, yeah. That that sense of not being arrogant, yes, that plays in my mind. You very rightly said that I don't yeah. want to sound or that's not who I am. You know, I right. don't connect with the person who is arrogant, but I would want to achieve a level of confidence in putting myself out there, which is not yeah. arrogant, but still putting me outside saying that, you know, I can deliver this and this is who I am and I'm enough. Right. So I think yeah. that... And again, to give you a few examples, that some of the people that we would regard as the most, you know, uh, successful people from business point of view, have made decisions where they have just assumed that they know enough. So Mark Zuckerberg was a billionaire by 25, which is usually the age that most of us are sharing our cat results on LinkedIn. You know, he's already a billionaire. Bill Gates quit his college, you know, without even completing his undergraduate degree to start Microsoft. You know, Elon Musk quit his PhD second day of his PhD. Says, "No, I'm going to start a business." So in a way, they're saying, I don't need to learn more before I'm ready. I don't need to prove my, you know, like that I know enough about IT or et cetera to start Microsoft. I'll start it at the age of 18 or 20 or whatever mm -hmm. it is. 
So that's a different thing, which is not, I need to learn before I execute, is that as I execute in the process of that, by looking at the results, I will learn faster. And the people who really, you know, mm-hmm. the hundred billion in their pockets, they're the ones who have been willing to say, I don't need to learn more. I know enough now, I'm going to act. So there's a little bit more general than philosophical or academic, if you know what I mean. So the next question is, what are what is the price therefore that you would be willing to pay that you would need to pay in this journey if you are to develop this strength? I think just put myself out there because uh, you know to go through this journey, uh, the intention was so strong that I did quit my job. I pushed yeah. myself and I started putting myself out there through videos, through my content. I, I I wrote my entire life journey being entirely vulnerable. I did not leave anything out and I put it out there for people to understand who I am and for my leadership experience to also show up there. I started this talk show where I again did not know what am I doing. I started building my network and collaborations on LinkedIn and building some solid, honest connections with people. Uh, which which was again be outside my comfort zone. That's not who I was. That's that's not what I've yeah. done for a very long time. So I think in yeah. last two to three years, if I look at it from purely from a progress point of view and for the price that I had to pay, everything came at a price. Like quitting a stable job where I was excelling and doing extremely well, everything was going well. Was 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 a price that I had to pay. Uh, putting myself out there and doing things that I've never done before, be it a video, be it a talk show, be it a book, uh, developing an entire curriculum because I have I have done trainings or facilitated trainings on others programs which is something that has been designed by somebody else and i've gone and delivered by sitting out there thinking reading understanding the aspects and bringing out my own stuff saying that you know this is what i would want to bring to the table was way outside my comfort zone so i think that when it comes to the price i think on everyday basis uh, i am paying that price but having said that coming to what i said earlier this whole journey could have been fast paced which means I could have been where I am today, last year, this time as well. If I had trusted myself more, if I had pushed myself more. So I would say yeah. uh, that is a shift in gear that I'm looking to do this year with my training programs coming out. And I yeah. intend to come live on LinkedIn and talk about my training programs and talk about what it is and, and be very honest and open about it. So again, that's yeah. something I've never done before, but that's the decision that I've taken. So that, that that's what I'm ready to do. And that's what I'm going yeah. to do. It's, it's a decision taken. Yeah. You know, for me, um, I can see that that would be a step, as, you know, you're moving forward in that journey. But for me, the real acceleration would be, you know, not being open and honest, because I think that actually comes actually pretty naturally, even though you can push yourself on that. My experience is that is something that, you know, very first conversation I have with it, those are the words I would use for you. I feel like the discomfort would be being seen as arrogant. Because if I present my, myself as an expert, if I present myself as somebody who knows, if I present myself as certainty, some people will say, who does he think he is? And if I'm not willing for at least some people to have that opinion about me, I will always just be a little bit careful. So what you're saying, I want to be confident, but I don't want to be seen as arrogant. You know, like I don't want to be that guy. And so the price is really, I want to be confident and I'm okay if a few people think of me as arrogant. And when you're okay, if a few people think of you as arrogant, then I think you'd be in a new area where you're being more confident. And yes, 
there are going to be some people, but you know, a lot of people say Bill Gates is arrogant. People say that Steve Jobs is arrogant. People say Jeff Bezos is arrogant. People say Elon Musk is arrogant. The perception that some people will have of people arrogant is when they supremely trust themselves, some people will have that opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to be the nice guy, then I've always got to just be a little bit beyond mm -hmm. where my optimal places and you will never become like you know the guy who's shouting at his team and saying what are, what are you stupid you're not going to become that guy right mm -hmm. and the fear of becoming that guy is always what has been just be a little bit safer and be the mm -hmm. nice confident guy but then i don't fully explore the full range of my confidence because as soon as i start getting to where that boundary is arrogant i kind of hold back but you will mm -hmm. never know where that boundary is unless mm -hmm. on a few occasions you cross it and say oh you know what that was too much this is too little, oh, I went too far again. So if you're not willing to go too far, you will never know how far you can go, mm. right? But I'll leave that as something to just consider that if you're not willing for some people to see you as arrogant, you won't find that boundary where you're the most optimal confidence, humility, you just be a little bit behind that, right? Mm. And so let me wrap this up by asking you the final question. If you were willing to do these things, right? Rather than I'll just need to put myself, in, which is a little self-effacing. I'll just put myself out there and hope people like it, etc. I'll put, you know, it's, oh, I'm gonna put myself out there assertively, confidently, and some people are not gonna like it. Okay, that's fine. But if, if you were willing to take that risk, right? The reason you would be willing to take that risk because at this point in your life, the most important thing to you is. To build an abundant life for my daughter. Great. Okay. So that basically is, you know, the process that we follow. Um, you know, clarity, what do you want? Honesty, what's working, what's not working, ownership, what are the different choices, etc. Win-win, you know, how is going to be perceived by other people, what are the relationships and commitment? What is it that would internally prevent me from doing this? What is that internal belief that you shouldn't be an arrogant, that's a bad person? That is what will stop me. And am I willing to go past that, etc.? Yes, no, I am, because the most important thing is to build an abundance, you know, like life for my kid, etc., my daughter. So this is the process of that clarity, honesty, ownership, and commitment. And this is the kind of conversation we have with the participants or our coaches to take them through this process. And, you know, from an intellectual point of view, it's obviously very, I have no clarity and no honesty. But when we actually do the conversation, actually apply it to people's lives, and they actually think of the question, then, you know, some, some new things sometimes emerge, some new options. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it did for me. Uh, you know, this this differentiation of the boundary of being humble, nice, respectful to arrogance. I think, you know, that that line in between is what I need to cross because uh, I, as I understand it, right, it does not show me up as somebody who is confident, who is an expert in that domain and being confident and expert in my domain. Still, I'm not able to show that up because of the fear of sounding arrogant, saying that, you know, Right. So that fear of arrogance is what is stopping me. And what I will take away very powerfully from what you said is that I need to step into that boundary of arrogance sometimes to realize what to do and what not to do and how to play with that boundary so that I'm still confident and putting my best out there. Uh, I think that game needs to start. And I think this is the right time we are having this conversation. I'm a very firm believer in the law of universe. This conversation needed to happen. I needed it. I'm sure a lot of people in the audience who are listening to us or who will listen to the recording later probably needed this conversation. And you can reflect on these questions that Kanishka asked me. And you can ask them to yourself and understand deeply of 
where you are right now where do you want to go and what's stopping you from being your best as it helped me it definitely helped uh, me kanishka and i i so much appreciate you doing this with me a uh, great conversation great realization and it's my commitment that i will push myself to cross that boundary of being nice and into arrogance and see how it plays out and find my balance as i go in there that that's my commitment and and i can sense it i can i can sense it's needed and i can sense that's what was stopping me from being my best and that's probably even stopping from people to receive the best value from me so it's right. it's a lose lose on both ends so right. uh, i i'll do it i'll do that that's great thank you father great thank you so much kanishka for this uh, conversation so one last question that i have for you before we close yeah. today's uh, conversation is uh, you know a lot of conversations happen around leadership and mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that talk about a lot of things about leadership which are very true which are very important which are very uh, you know required but in today's dynamically changing work environment which means you know where things are changing every day like every week there is something new that's coming up some day sometimes it's completely remote sometimes 75% staff is in office sometimes it's a remote workplace now leaving everything aside when I, if i talk about from purely from a leadership point of view if i am a leader who is leading a team or an organization at this point of time where the things are constantly shifting what would you say are top 2 to 3 things that i need to keep in my awareness at the top saying that you know these three things are very important for me to maintain that balance between people and business um i think um it's seeing the task as something that we can use to build people as opposed to seeing people as a resource through which we can achieve a task and what i mean by that is let's say i'm a sales manager or let me give you an example i'm not a religious person but i'll give you the example of um, you know bhagavad gita which i find an interesting example there where arjun is on the battlefield and uh, he's speaking to krishna and he says you know what i'm not sure if i want to fight this battle you know if i even if i win at what cost all my cousins and bishop and etc and the first words that arjun says that krishna says to him almost I can stop speaking the words of a coward just listen to yourself see how far from the path of enlightenment you've fallen enlightenment you've fallen and and it's it's a harsh statement right it's not like he understands it's going to be difficult it's it's hard and he's holding him accountable saying you know you're a kshatriya your duty is to fight evil etc so if you're walking away from that duty you're effectively becoming weaker you're becoming like um you you're basically deteriorating as a human being you're losing your strength you don't need to do this and krishna saying not because he is going to get any money or armies or anything by arjun winning he's saying i won't let you walk away from this task because in doing the task you become a stronger person right so the point is not to kill these guys the point is to do your duty right mm-hmm. so when you are working with people sometimes people fall into two either i can focus on a business and okay you know push people i don't want to hear excuses just get it done the task becomes more important or the person becomes more important say oh poor you this must be difficult okay take care jane go don't worry about the task but the best leader i've seen are the ones who don't say poor you who don't say i don't want to hear your excuses they say you can do this i won't let you walk away from this task don't tell me you can't do it of course you can do it let's sit down and figure out what you need to do to get this task done right mm-hmm. and i'm going to make you do this because the task is important but you are important i'm going to build your capabilities so you feel confident enough of yourself so you can achieve it so if i see the task whatever that task is you know it could be an archery you know i'm teaching my coach to hit that arrow the point is not the arrow you're aiming at yourself in learning what i need to do to hit that arrow center i have to get self mastery or if you're selling you know circus tickets it doesn't matter what the task is 
the task is a way of building your own self-mastery and that's how I'm going to look at it, that these tasks are a way of building you and making you get self-mastery of yourself. But if I see you as a resource, because of you, I didn't get my target and my boss is going to shout, then these people are going to feel impacted. So I think that's how I would say um, is useful, is not to see people as a resource to achieve the task, is to see the task as we have to pick some goal and we pick some goals, whether it's climbing Mount Everest or going for a marathon, so that we can develop ourselves and that is the journey we are going on together then people mm -hmm. i feel like buy into that and they say when prashant is pushing me if perhaps in the way that when i was pushing you in this conversation you didn't think it was for my benefit you felt okay Kanish is having this conversation maybe putting me in a, in a slightly uncomfortable or throwing beliefs that are going to take me out of comfort zone for my benefit so if your team feels you're pushing them for their benefit they will grow and they will produce better results so that's one way of looking at it that i think mm -hmm. i found helpful no, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. So that shift in perspective of how do you make people think that the push outside your comfort zone, the new things, the new tasks, the new journeys or challenges that your leader is bringing forward. How do you create a relationship where your team knows that it's for our own benefit, where they are vulnerable, where they are open to taking up those challenges, knowing and trusting their leader, saying that I know the intention of why he is doing what he is doing is for us to grow, is for us to move forward in our careers, in our life. And yeah. if that is a perspective that a leader can build with his team, because that also takes effort, this will not happen by default. You need to create enough trust and credibility. We're coming back to those words. If you build yeah. enough trust and credibility by being consistent in the way you do things, in the way you say things, in the whole way of your being, is when your team will trust you and will allow you openly to push them into that challenge, knowing that the reason you're being pushed into that water is because your leader wants you to learn something which will help you grow as people. So if this is one thing that leaders can imbibe and build with their teams, it will definitely help them irrespective of being remote workplace, irrespective of being at workplace or an hybrid environment. If you can connect with your people at that level, communicate yeah. with your people at that level, it would help. So uh, yeah. with that thought, Kanishka, uh, I would like to thank you so much for being in this first episode. A very special thank you for doing what you did for that 30 minutes with me. I can promise you, and this is my commitment to you, being a coach, coachy with you, that relationship on this conversation that I will cross those boundaries. I will push myself and you will see it happening because we are on LinkedIn. So you will see those actions out there and you'll be like, you know, okay, doesn't sound like a nice guy anymore, but I'll push myself. <laughs> That's that's my problem. Fantastic. Thank I you for inviting. Have a great weekend, and I, I wish you the very best in 2022. Buddy. Thank you so much. Wish you the same, Kanishka, and everybody in the audience. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for your love and support. And a special request to you: the conversation that happened between me and Kanishka, especially in the last 30 minutes. Please listen to that again and again. Focus on the questions that Kanishka was answering, asking. Answer those questions for yourself very honestly. Don't judge those questions. Push yourself out of that comfort zone, but be honest in answering those questions. And it will be a very powerful journey that you take with yourself. And if you want to push that journey to the next level, if you want to, as he pushed me, if you actually want to cross that line and really want to make the difference for yourself, reach out to Kanishka. Kanishka Sina is on LinkedIn. Reach out to him, connect with him, DM him, and he'll be more than happy to help you in how to take that journey forward. Right, Kanishka? Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. All right. Great. Thank you so much. I'll see you next Saturday at 11 a.m. with another amazing guest. Till then, have a great weekend ahead. Goodbye.